What if you could achieve whatever you set your eye upon? The world we find ourselves in is unlike anything we previously thought about. Things are changing very fast, but that has always been the case in the modern history. Panic may not be a solution in these changing times, but clarity over your own desires is an excellent place to start. We all yearn for a life where we can live our wildest fantasy and be in integrity with ourselves and the world around us, as well as leave an impact we can be proud of and stand by. In this episode, I had a privilege of interviewing Patrick Masterson, one of the key founders of Stockholm Epicenter, which is now hosting more than 500 scale-up and traditional companies, as well as 6,000 members, providing them with an ecosystem where all these people can network, share ideas and collaborate, creating products and services for our society at large. In addition, Patrick has a keen eye on Hyper Island and is always on a lookout for fresh talent to put to use. Given that Epicenter is hosting hundreds of events a year, he seems very keen to give new generations like us a chance to develop our careers in this wonderful ecosystem that he has founded. Patrick, lovely to meet you. You are quite incredible and you've done an incredible job building this place. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Um, we're right now located in one of the, what, what is this called, this office? Is this this office? is Epicenter Stockholm. This is Epicenter project. Stockholm. Yeah. But this particular office, is it like a, has a particular name? Yeah, this is a meeting room. I don't know what it's room. called, but it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, very colorful, that's for very sure. Very colorful, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what the hell is this, but this is, <laughs> looks very nice and a very nice view as well. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you for coming to the show. I really appreciate you taking time to say hi and to share your wisdom and experience uh, and especially... Uh, especially your knowledge and wisdom when it comes to uh, making things happen uh, on, a, on, a, on a huge scale. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we just had a, a very pleasant conversation about um, the, how Patrick is um, taking into consideration the decades uh, the, where the, how the market is evolving and what's going on in the world and preparing yourself for the future. Uh, but I'm gonna leave it to you, Patrick. Sure. Could you could you describe what 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 is Epicenter? What is it all about? And uh, yeah, how perfect. It works. Yeah, sure. Uh, Epicenter is an innovation house. What we try to do here is to work with particularly two segments of customers: growth companies, scale-up companies are usually called. So companies that say have a turnover of 35, 40 million sec and growing 40, 50 percent every year. That's one of the segments. Mm -hmm. And the other segment are large, more established, traditional corporate companies. Mm -hmm. Companies that are in need of innovation. Mm -hmm. And the way and the why we work with them is we think that it's super important to have them collaborate, share ideas, trade knowledge, and sort of support each other on a growth journey. Because we think that these companies are very, very important for the future economy and for creating wealth for future generations to live off. So we wanted to create sort of a a place, a location where, where where they easily can meet and trade ideas, learn and, and share and grow. 
Uh, and uh, the reason we want to have this place and, and to create that is because most growth companies have a problem with the traditional real estate model mm -hmm. where you have to rent for maybe 10 years and you have to invest a lot in your own office. Mm -hmm. And in an exponential society that we live in, it's very difficult to know whether you're going to be 50 or 500 employees in five years time. Yeah, it all yeah. depends on what happens in the market and how successful you are. Mm -hmm. So taking traditional leases becomes very difficult. Yeah. So what we want to do instead is create that hyper flexibility that allows these companies to grow at scale, but at their own rate. Mm -hmm. And that they can easily adapt both, you know, growing and maybe then downsizing in certain areas if they need to. And by having access to a lot of other people around them, that can help them grow and fuel the company. I see, I see. And how many members do you have? How many companies do you have? So here in Stockholm, we have around 350 companies that are sitting with us. 350 and I would companies. say around 220 are here full time. Mm -hmm. And then we have another 130 that are members, but are coming in and out at mm -hmm. different uh, times and, 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 mm -hmm. uh, and uh, opportunities. And how many people register? You come through the door of the epicenter. Do you know that? Yeah, so I think like in a daily scenario, we have more than 500 visiting guests, but that's mm. without having our events. We do over oh, 300 yeah. events here every year. So. 300 events a year? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's no. like every other day. Yes. <laughs> oh my multiple. God. I think we do two to three every day. To oh, be my God. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Oh my God. That so, sounds amazing. So there, there, there's a lot of events happening and there's a lot of events for clients that are doing their own like industry events or product yeah. launches or group gatherings. But then we do, of course, and produce a lot of events together with and for our community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because again, if we want to create growth opportunities, you know, the platform for that is really the learning and the meeting of minds. Yeah, so creating exactly. bridges between people that actually has the opportunity to really influence and change things. Mm -hmm. And we think the platform for that is by leading with competence and knowledge rather than, hey, buy my product, it's now 10 euros discount. Mm. So that's why we produce all of these events. I see, I see. And how big is this place? So our place here in Stockholm is around 30,000 square meters of innovation. 30,000 square meters, yeah. okay, okay. And we have, uh, we have uh, like, say, five, 6,000 square meters is basically common, where mm -hmm. we then have our, our basic our joint programs. We have mm -hmm. a gym, we have a restaurant, we have mm. a reception, we have common meeting rooms that I see, share. I see, I see. And then we have a lot of other areas for like private office space and, and things like that. Wow, wow, quite incredible. Uh, and you're also expanding, you're building a new a new facility here in Stockholm, right? Uh, yes, yes, we Elements. are. We're gonna do something which is called Element Stockholm, which uh -huh. is gonna focus more on, I would say, impact companies. Impact companies. Looking at uh, specific segments within uh, water, uh, earth, air, and those type of things, and to make sort of a program where we try to tackle some of the biggest societal changes within mm. sustainability. Incredible. Yeah. To create uh, also, of course, great opportunities for future generations. I see, wow, wow, quite quite incredible. How big is this place gonna be? Is it a big size, similar size? Or? Yeah, it's gonna be similar size. I think it's around 18,000 square meters, what 18, we're doing in the new meters. one. But it's again, it's a diverse program. So you have some common areas, and then you have private offices, but I see. it's, almost like creating a, a lobby or a ground floor for these uh, bigger tenants, but where there is some kind of program and a common denominator that's keeping everything together. Okay, okay, okay. And so we are right now located at Decentralen, uh, mm -hmm. city central. And where is this place going to be located? It's going to be very close. It's in the same area. This uh -huh. area in Stockholm uh, is called the Mood District. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, so yeah. it's going to be uh, a little bit further down on Jakos Pajska. Oh my God, amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was quite inspired to to title this episode uh, the art of bridge building because you seem to uh, you seem to 
know how to make connections and how to make bridges with people to make all this happen because without building bridges this none of this is possible due to his experience patrick has a deep understanding of innovation here he goes on to explain the core principles that make innovation happen Okay, I think uh, innovation thrives in a heterogeneous environment. What's heterogeneous? That it's not the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, if it's if it's exactly the same, it's it's much more diverse in that yeah. sense. It needs to be you know very wide with lots of different Jungle. companies. Exactly. So it, we, we, we 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 need to have that, and I think that <clears throat> if 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 you try to innovate together with others, it's much stronger than trying to innovate in silos. Of and course, I think that of course, yeah. Most people learn more actually from other industries than from looking from the inside and out. Mm. And I think that has been a traditional problem is that companies tend to stick a lot to themselves and mm-hmm, people try to mm-hmm, do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we think it's a lot stronger and more powerful mm-hmm. if you open up and you try to connect with others. Mm-hmm. And therefore, also be quite sharing with your innovation and what you do. Yeah. Because if you look into innovation in general, I would say 80% of all innovation is common. It's the last 20% that you then personalize for your company. Mm. If you take an example, if you had the mobile phone, for instance, what if you would have that only for yourself? Well, that wouldn't well, scale, really, right? So you need to have yeah. that and have it for everyone yeah, and be able yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to do things. So better yeah. sometimes is to release things in an open environment. And for mm-hmm. us coming from helping scale-up companies and those companies, sort of traditional uh, digital companies scale mm-hmm. and grow, we sort of understood that if we could connect with others and get a common ground in a place like this, yeah. then we yeah. could give yeah. even more value back to the community. Amazing. All right, let's go back to 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2013, December 2013, when you and uh, you started, you and your partner started to negotiate uh, with the landlord of this place. Uh, so can we, can we go back to 2013 and see what what happened then and there? Sure. So it's, it's funny. Like... We, we we started Epicenter not sort of on a planned sort of growth journey that we wanted to do this all along. I mean, this was a haphazardous situation where my co-founder and partner Ola Alvarsson met the landlord or the CEO of the landlord, Mats Hederos of AMF Real Estate, because he was moderating a conference here in Stockholm and Mats was in the audience and then Mats came up to him and said look we need to talk basically because you guys seem to know a lot about digital innovation and how companies are thinking and I I have a big project that I'm going to do and realize now called Urban Escape right. that we're doing in the Gallery Jamlok. Okay. And we started talking, he took us up on the on the rooftops of uh, of you know the building and said, here, I want to build a new innovation district for Amazing. Stockholm. Can you please help us? Mm-hmm. So that was basically the start of it, mm-hmm. where we then started looking at, okay, from more from the outside in, how do companies think? What does it mean to be a growth company, innovation company? And how does the existing business model really fit with that? Yeah, yeah. And then we both saw very early that there is a disconnect in the sense of what companies want and what the offering was in the market at the current time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what we tried to do was to meet with a lot of customers, interview them, and we did that in the form of movers and shakers events, where we mm-hmm. said, okay, if these are the smartest and the best and the most interesting companies right now, mm-hmm. if we would gather and learn from them and discuss mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. how can we make a new building and a model? And mm-hmm. we then basically launched an hypothesis for these companies, mm-hmm. which they then gave us feedback on, and that then turned into an epicenter. Amazing, amazing. So it took like, what was it? So in December, uh, December 2013 was the first negotiation, first conversation. And then in September was the contract. And you joined uh, joined arms with uh, with the landlord to build together this, this whole place. And you already established contracts with the companies that, uh, that showed interest in this. 
And then from September 2014 to uh, January 2015, you opened the place and uh, you had already, so what was it, 70%? Uh, 70%? Only eight, I think. It took us six weeks after the opening to get the place full. Six weeks? Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a high demand. Yeah. That's like a demand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I see this in a metaphor is basically... Uh, in a way, opening a dam. Mm-hmm. You know, you really understood the problem. You investigated the problem. You understood this dam, and then you just like click, click, click. Yeah, exactly. But th- that's like the split. thing. We 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 teach in our innovation labs, and we we've been working, of course, a lot. We had a consultancy company founding, you know, Epicenter. That's where I came from before I did Epicenter. Is that we've been working with the lean startup model for a long time, and mm-hmm. in the lean startup model, there's two things that are extremely important. It's first identifying the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Then quantifying the problem, but then as quick as possible testing your hypothesis and assumptions with real customers. Because mm-hmm. if exactly. it doesn't then fly, then you don't invest a lot of time, you don't build a lot of things that there's no demand for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for us, it was extremely important to say, okay, if this is the vision, we want to build an innovation district. We want to have customers in there. Yeah. What is then important for that? So we wanted to talk to them and we wanted to talk to the right ones that really owns the problem, not really mm-hmm. the real estate pro- people, but the HR managers, the CEOs, the innovation leads at these companies. Yeah, yeah. And so we did. And very, very early also we saw that co-creation gives a lot more impact and more power when you release a project. Mm-hmm. So if someone also can be part of influencing and chipping in their own sort of values and, and, and assets that they have into a project, you yeah. get a lot more out of it. Of course. So for us, connecting to big companies like Microsoft and Splay and Essebanken and those things and asking mm. them, what can you contribute with in this environment if you want to be part of this and how can we make a, a solution that you really love and yeah. sort of cherish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by doing that, we found a really good product market fit, which is, of course, everything you try to do when you're an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And so we did, and that's why our development was really, really quick, you know, mm. in the beginning, and we gained a lot of interest very early then from customers. Mm, I see, I see, incredible. And so you identified the opportunity in the market in terms of, uh, you know, companies not being sure whether they, uh, they're going to be uh, 10, 15, or 20 employees, and so you want to give them the opportunity to, uh, to, to be flexible, uh, yeah, we saw four them. problems, if I really go yeah, back, you know, from the yeah, beginning. Yeah. So, so one thing was that it's very hard for companies going through this massive growth and change to understand mm-hmm. how many people they are. So that's one way. I need them extreme flexibility. Extreme in my flexibility, yeah. So that's one thing. But also what is really good from a real estate perspective and from a price point perspective is mm-hmm. that companies understand if I make long-term contracts, mm-hmm. Then there's one level of pricing, but yeah. if I want them very, very short-term flexible leases, then they understand that comes with a premium. Yeah. So we saw that you wouldn't lose money. Yeah. Instead, you raise the price, but you give companies what they want. Mm-hmm. So then there was less risk in that sense. That was yeah. one problem. The other problem we saw is that as we're going through massive disruption with digitalization, yeah. a lot of the large companies and corporates are struggling a little bit with that. What mm. is my digital strategy? Mm. How should I? think around what company should I acquire, who should I work with, mm. how do I change my internal workways. So there was mm-hmm. a huge sort of innovation and knowledge and competence gap. Mm-hmm. The third thing we saw is that the digital talents that you want to have work in these companies, they think completely different than they did a lot of years ago. Mm-hmm. For them, it's not important with a corner office and having you know, leather furniture and things like that. For them, it's important, how can I influence the company? What can I learn? Who else is sitting in the building? 
the relevance of the context becomes much bigger for them. Yeah. What is the narrative for me working for this company? Yeah. So therefore, they had a very different way of looking at it. That was the third thing. The fourth thing we saw is that Stockholm as a city lacks a natural arena for successful scale-up companies mm. and corporates to meet, trade ideas, share, learn and collaborate. Mm-hmm. So you have all these small business clubs and you have the trade the chamber of commerce, etc. But you have no real arena where people can come together and really yeah. do and discuss this every day. Yeah. So by looking at these four things, we could then define product and value propositions for all different things that really resonated well with the companies that I we wanted see. to work with. I see. Quite. Quite incredible and quite inspiring. And how long did it take you to identify these four, these four major problems? Because yeah, so that's, we, that's a big part of the work. Of course, and that's a big part because we really want to do things from the outside in because it's a lot better to get that product market fit if you do it that way mm-hmm. rather than thinking internally, it's like, we should make a building like this. And we didn't know, should it be 3,000 square meters or 100,000 square meters? That mm-hmm. again is also, also dependent on the interest. Yeah. So we spent maybe three, four months spending time doing deep interviews with selected companies. We spend a lot of time taking one-on-one meetings with, with, with companies and just presenting our vision and our yeah. idea. And then we did, I think, three bigger movers and shakers event. Okay, okay. And for us, those were basically two-hour sessions where we instead invited maybe 20 companies of different sorts. Yeah. Explained yeah, yeah. our vision, talked to them more like this, like you and I do over the table on the problem yeah. and opportunity but also have them co-create and say, mm-hmm. if this is our vision, how can we strengthen it? Yeah. What else do we need? Yeah. If you would be a customer here, what would you have? And then finally, of course, what could you contribute to and add to make this a little bit more, you know, get even more body and even more opportunity? Yeah, I see, I see. We are incredibly privileged to be in Sweden because Sweden has numerous backbones, which makes our markets incredibly fertile. Patrick acknowledged these opportunities, as well as potential threats we as a society may be facing, globally even, and decided to facilitate Innovation House, a new playground for the best of players, destined to benefit our city and our society and future generations. And if we go into the opportunity, so uh, that's the, the, the future perspective in terms of um... Uh, you're speaking about product market fit, but you were also fac- you're also facilitating yourself for the for the future f- to build for the Stockholm to be a place where um, where innovation can be innovation on steroids in a way or next 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 completely different dimension of innovation. Absolutely. Can you, can you go a little bit more into that? Sure. No, I think. Like Sweden has a very strong tradition in entrepreneurship and innovation. We've been really strong in doing that. If you look at some of the top companies in the world, you know, like the IKEAs and the Ericsons, etc., then everyone knows that they're Swedish and they're really good. So we have a strong tradition in that. Mm-hmm. We also are the second most digital unicorns in the world. Mm-hmm. So looking per capita, where you have the Icepels and the Mojangs and all those, all Swedish-made companies that were very, very digital successful. Mm-hmm. But we're also living in times that are extremely exponential. So with technology, a lot is changing. It changes how we work, live and play. And there's also some really big factors that are affecting our exponential society. So our population is aging quite rapidly. So in a few years, over 25% of all inhabitants will be over 60 years old. Mm -hmm. That is changing our pension systems, the way we work, etc. People are also becoming a lot more healthier, so they're living many, many more years, mm-hmm. which is, of course, also changing the way that our tax and our economic systems are working. 
The third thing that is happening is that people are moving from rural areas into cities. So we're creating more and more massive cities mm -hmm. and then creating job opportunities and affordable housing and living in those areas would be a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. And then you have the threat of all the environmental changes that we have with climate change, increased heating, etc. Mm -hmm. So you have quite a lot of things that you need to handle. Yeah. And at the same time, there's tons of innovation happening in other places. If you mm -hmm. look at what's happening in India or in China and things like that. So if you want to create great opportunities for future generations to live in a small country like Sweden, then we need to do things differently. We need to accelerate on innovation. We need to create growth and we need to do things here yeah. because otherwise a lot of our future opportunities are going to be determined by others from the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe in a city where I want to live, where my children want to live, etc. And in, in order for that to happen, we need to make sure that we create good opportunities here. Mm. And therefore creating job opportunities, tax revenues, um, collaborations, job yeah. opportunities that will help us tackle some of these bigger changes and still create Stockholm and Sweden as one of the primary places to be. Incredible. And for us then we thought, okay, what happens if we then bring in the best people that has mm. the most competence? Mm. You know, almost like creating a Champions League for digital innovation yeah. and, and, yeah. and competence, yeah. then do we think that that will have a positive impact? Yeah. Yeah. And in order to measure that, actually this year or just a month ago, we released Epicenter's first impact report mm -hmm. where we're looking at, okay, what does then Epicenter actually give back and deliver to the market? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we did that by the measuring, for instance, how many job opportunities do we create in a year? So how many yeah. new people do we give access to new, to new jobs? Yeah. How much extra tax revenues do we create for a city that they can use to invest in infrastructural projects and yeah. build new housing, yeah. etc. And that is, of course, something that makes us extremely yeah. proud and happy to do. I hear, I hear. And sort of from my perspective, it, uh, it reminds me of this, uh, from the Avatar, the movie, the first one, the big tree. It's like a, the Stockholm being just like a land of a bunch of trees, and then there's like a huge tree, and in, on the tree there's like these companies and uh, entrepreneurs and people who get to fly on these crazy creatures. <laughs> That's what it really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people taking off. Uh, and so, let's see, um, when it comes to um, practical steps, what, what could like uh, students, so Hyper Island is a place where students are, uh, you, you, I'm sure you know about Hyper Absolutely. Island. Yeah, well, I'm curious, what do you know about Hyper What's your perspective of Hyper Island? No, but I think it's, it's, it's one of the primary sort of digital uh, educational programs here in, in Sweden. I think yeah. that uh, we have been following them in, in multiple places and locations as well and uh -huh. we've even had people working here that that has been leading and working at Hyper Island uh -huh, so uh -huh, I think we uh -huh. have a very very good understanding on what they do and I All think right. that they are a uh, how do you say at the forefront of like innovation projects and 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 digitalization with their courses that they have mm -hmm. and for us we believe a lot in the next generation because mm -hmm. we believe that if we can have the best people and the best competence that will lead to the best companies and yeah. to the best opportunities yeah yeah so for us here that have more than 500 companies as part of our realm that's constantly looking for talent, yeah. we think that could be a highly important thing to look at how can we then help and support and source those talents into these exactly, companies. Exactly, and, that, and that's where I would really like to assist. I would really like to provide this kind of a funnel where I get to understand the companies, understand the needs and the wants and understand the hyper island and, and where do people stand mm. in relation to their desires and yeah. ambitions and how can I be the bridge 
that that can provide people with this uh, just like oh you go here you go there you go there because people are struggling a lot with like oh where i'm gonna do internship yeah uh, well when if you if if you just have a different perspective mm-hmm. you just see that the demand is massive absolutely demand is absolutely massive mm-hmm. and you just gotta understand how to see the demand and tap into the demand mm-hmm. and um and i will have um after so being a volunteer here for a month for the SEMA event, uh, we are going to get like one month access uh, here. And I'm really looking forward to networking with companies and understanding cool. their uh, needs and all that stuff. Cool. And so that uh, uh, in the next, in the fall, for example, uh, I can have a very good uh, overview over the landscape and potentially uh, the uh, what kind of uh, skills do... Um, the students gain in their programs and and how can I potentially link them to the well, but I, I see there's three big things that is yeah. a potential for the hyper island uh, you know community and students one thing I believe a lot in is reverse mentorship there's reverse tons of CEOs here yeah. that are building a lot of the future and yeah. usually when you talk mentorship it's always a young person to the old and the old is going to teach the young. Yeah, okay, I think that's okay. completely outdated given the fact how okay, things are changing. Interesting. So I think that you guys could be a perfect mentor to some of the group CEOs and others that are here Amazing. to teach them new perspectives on how young people are thinking and what sort of some of the important questions. Because yeah, yeah. what they are responsible for is creating, again, products for the future people and generation to, to work I see, the I see. And if I make only products today that 50 or 60 years old yeah. Yeah, 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 what yeah, happens yeah. then when the 20 year old becomes the consumer and that has to think absolutely so understanding patterns understanding how young people think understanding how digitalization is changing things yeah, yeah. i think you could be perfect reverse mentors yeah so we yeah, can make yeah. a reverse mentorship program where we give you access to these companies and then you have to sort of set that up one-on-one that's one thing yeah the second thing i see is you talked about that before is internship at mass as well yeah so if you want to have access to work for companies get you know, an in route to solve specific challenges or problems or work in projects, mm-hmm. that's one. Mm-hmm. The third thing that can be done is that you can do basically a, your whatever final exams or essays or things like that. People usually are writing a business plan for someone, etc. Mm-hmm. There's tons of companies here that potentially could look for that. Mm-hmm. And the fourth thing is, of course, employment over time. Is mm-hmm. that you can start working part time or full time or whatever for these companies. So there's four big things. Mm-hmm. And the way to solve that would be to have. Hyper Island come here and then do a talent day, for instance, where we then explain these four elements, invite mm. all the other members, and then give you direct access, like a job fair, to all of these people. Yeah. So yeah. that that could be one way of sort of strengthening that collaboration. Amazing. Hashtag bridge building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see. Really, really incredible and really inspiring. So, Patrick, what could you provide? What kind of perspective could you provide to students who are, in a way, uh, locked in fear and and we first off we are all in a maze of life mm-hmm. we're all like we see bushes and we see left right and now every now and then we can jump and look at the horizon and mm-hmm. like okay that's where i want to go mm-hmm. and uh, with every every new level that we climb there's a new level of new level of maze and from what i see where the students are they they have a lot of fear in terms of um, are they making the right choice mm-hmm. in terms of their career mm-hmm. and um, not knowing their purpose and like being insecure about uh, where they're going? What kind of uh, perspective slash advice could you provide with these uh, students? Sure. Yeah. First of all, I think that's very sort of, how uh, do you say, normal. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's no, how do you say, thing that's strange with that. I think mm-hmm. that when you're building your career and you're on your way up, 
there's a lot of opportunities and sort of picking the right one and sort of understanding where you know the best opportunities are and as well as where you feel comfortable is always very very difficult yeah i think the only thing you need to think about i think is that the only constant right now is change yeah so what's going to happen is that we're going to see much less of the traditional way of having maybe one career for the full lifetime and where you have to pick from university or from Hyper Island and then that's the thing you're going to do all year round. Mm -hmm. Because what's going to happen with the development that's so quick is that your sort of need for upskilling and reskilling is going to happen like every three to five years. When you might yeah. change your career a lot faster and a lot more. Okay. And that means that whatever you invest in right now yeah. is not probably likely that's what you're going to work with for the coming 40 years. Okay. So okay. that's why I think that it's understandable that you're a bit afraid of it. Mm -hmm. But I think there's going to be so much change going forward that if you want to change career again in five or six or seven years, mm -hmm. that is that's already in the stars <laughs> almost, mm -hmm. you know, to be done. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think that just follow your passion instead, do the stuff that you feel comfortable with and, 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 and have, because I think it's super hard to be that calculative on your future because mm -hmm. there's going to be so much change yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, so one of, like, one of my dear principles that I hold near, <laughs> near, dear, <laughs> mm -hmm. is the massive exposure. Mm -hmm. Just exposing ourselves to the new environments and yeah. gaining experience, gaining perspectives, getting bruised, getting punched, getting scratched. And with that, you, you gain perspective, you gain expertise, you gain competences, you gain perspective. And, uh, yeah, and with that, you can... Uh, you can leverage that experience to the new career and the new career in the way you can serve. Opportunity has a mysterious nature. Oftentimes it comes as a flash, spontaneously, out of the blue. A personal moment that seems so obvious that you can't miss it, just like an apple falling on Newton's head. And that's how the idea of Epicenter was born. All it took was one right conversation. But once the insight is born, that's when the real work begins. So there's a lot of sort of unknowns and unhappens. The same thing when we started Epicenter. Mm -hmm. I didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to be a, an entrepreneur opening an Epicenter. Mm -hmm. This happened just through one meeting with one of our clients. Mm -hmm. We didn't even know that this would turn into an Epicenter. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot about embracing the opportunity as it arises mm -hmm. and sort of try to be much more sort of, uh, let's say, open to things and to be super calculative on this is exactly what's going to happen. Because that is, to be honest, in an exponential society, that's going to be very, very difficult to do. Exponential society. Could you a little bit, I guess we can go into wrap up. T tell me a little bit more about this exponential society. What is that? How does that look like in your Yeah, in your so the difference between linear development and exponential development, I yeah, understand. Yeah, so yeah. the exponential curve is something like this. Yeah. It starts off very slow, and then when you hit sort of the eye of the curve, then it really takes off. Yeah. And this is a little bit, if you look into how businesses and products are developing right now, mm -hmm. in a linear way, I would best maybe explain if you take one step, it's one meter. Mm -hmm. If you take a second step, it's two meter. If you take a third one, it's three meters. Yeah. But if you do that exponentially, it might be the first one is a half meter, mm -hmm. the second one is one, mm -hmm. the third one is already two. So it sort of increases, you know, like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you would look into that, is that so companies that then start, Mm -hmm. Take YouTube, for instance, when it started way for back sure. in the day. For yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Then you just saw people with these home videos where they were falling down and they were doing things, so they had the images of their cats, etc. Yeah, Today, yeah, yeah. that is the biggest media channel there is. Yeah. So, you know, 
So when new things come into the market, it's often met with a lot of skepticism. How is this going to take off? But when it grows, then it becomes the biggest thing. That's why Uber is the biggest taxi company in the world. That's why Airbnb is the biggest hotel chain, etc. So a lot of these things are happening in society that when you add technology to a business model, Mm -hmm. it completely changes and alterates the way that this industry Mm. tradition has been done. A whole new jungle. Yeah, and that's what I mean with an exponential society is that technology is exponential. It becomes, you know, through Moore's law, as you know, Mm. it's like double the power at half of the cost in every sort of two years. And if that keeps going, that means that your mobile phone will be smarter very soon than all of the combined human being brains that that are there. I hear you. And if those things happen, how do you then navigate in an environment like that? Exactly, that's a very, very good question. The, the, I mean, the, so the, I understand the notion of like comp- companies scaling and becoming exponential, but when it comes to society, we humans are, you know, primitive and and we we like love our rituals and we love to waste time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's also things happening as you saw that post the pandemic, it completely altered the way that people are using office buildings. Yeah. People are not working from home. Everyone is digital and has full access to their yeah. work, etc. They can work from anywhere. Yeah. You have yeah. digital nomads working in multiple locations mm-hmm. but have their offices somewhere else. If you look at how people are looking into the job ads today, it mm-hmm. says it's hybrid or remote, etc. So a lot of things have happened in a very short time period mm-hmm. and we have received you know through the internet the the the, the whole change what's yeah. now going to come is through uh, ai and machine learning is going to take this even even higher notch. it's a whole different ball game again whole different ball game and again, therefore yeah. i'm saying that whatever you study today yeah. don't get caught up thinking that this is like oh i have to pick the right thing right now because yeah. i'm going to tell you in three to five years you're going to have to completely re-educate yourself anyway <laughs> completely re-educate yourself in order That's to fit and to be able to handle those requirements yeah. that are there currently and getting uh, getting into the AI age and you know phones and uh, becoming extra smart and ChatGDP, everybody having personal assistant and uh, and you know our personal assistants that communicate with each other at an exponential level, like in the movie Her, like the movie Her is like one of the most realistic movies that I that I am familiar with, and also like a, I think movie. Uh, it's uh, called AI, the artificial intelligence. Mm. You know that one mm. from two thousand and one, I think, mm. uh, where basically AI is running the society, mm. and uh, humans are living in in hubs, mm. uh, and there's like a sort of like a harmony between AI. The AI is nice mm. to the humans, mm. <laughs> uh, and of course the rebels and stuff like that. What, what's your What's your take in like uh, how the society? Uh, there is a big debate on that, obviously, of course, yeah, and of course, I think yeah. that like as 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 there's you know there's good and there's bad people and there's people with good intention as people with bad intention yeah. and now everyone has exact access to the same technology yeah. and I think there's different views on that as well I have a positive outlook on humanity and human beings I think mm-hmm. that people want to do good but it's undoubtedly so that if you have 8 or 9 or 10 percent of the population that are not that nice yeah. what is the elements when they have this in their hands exactly and if you listen to Max Tegmark for instance he says mm-hmm. this is like releasing an atom bomb to everybody mm-hmm. and then hoping that they will treat it in the right way. Mm. So he's extremely nervous and afraid of this. Yeah, Elon yeah, Musk, yeah. you know the same thing, who believes the threat in AI and therefore wants to upgrade the human beings and yeah. things like that. So to be honest, I'm not sure. I hope that 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 uh, humanity is good and that we will take care of each other and that the good forces will survive. Mm. But it's it's an extremely complex topic it's an extremely complex and it's very very difficult to see how far given the exponentiality of technology yeah how that will really be taken top, care of. Top, tip, 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 tip. yeah and it's also like again 
if you look at like the architects of the future are the entrepreneurs. We yeah. are the ones thinking of the new things and doing all of that. Exactly. And legislation and politicians will always be behind. Yeah. So to sort of catch up with how quick technology and the opportunities are growing and what people can create on this mm. versus how we can sort of make it safe and sort of adaptable yeah, to yeah, else, yeah, yeah. That I think is a huge challenge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> uh, I am quite uh, struck by uh, Einstein's quote. Uh, I don't know what, what kind of weapons will be World War Three fought with, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh, I hope. I hope we can avoid that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's. Uh, that's. I mean, it. It is looming. It mm. is. It is looming in the air. All right. Thank you for. Uh, thank you for this podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you.